We've been talking about rhythms as we start the year together, important rhythms for you to engage your life with. And, and so today is the last part of that, and we've been talking about four goals for you to establish in your life, especially if you are a follower of Christ. Um, it's important that you engage these things and understanding the why behind them. So our goals here is to establish a three-hour break, learning to rest. That's the beginning of what it means to rest. Is And so we've been saying if you don't really take time in your week, we talked about this last Sunday. Uh, it's on our podcast. It's on the website. You can go back and listen to that. But what it means to actually stop <laughs> And no technology, email, work for three hours. If you don't ever do that, that's a good place to start. That's your first goal. But you want to learn to build from there and take steps. Learning to rest weekly. And engaging Scripture uh, is, is coming to our Heavenly Father. That can be part of your time of rest and breathing in His words of life. And then learning to engage in prayer. We talked about prayer one Sunday and really hit the foundations of that. I hope to engage prayer more, uh, more in depth in a month or two from now. Uh, and then today we're going to talk about what it means to impact others. And if we can find time to engage in these rhythms, it will bring life to your week, life to your month, and life to your year. You, th- you think about your goals from the year, your financial goals, uh, relationship goals, uh, you know, what it means to be in shape or be healthy, be fit, all those different things. Um, but what about your heart and your relationship with God? And God is wanting to lead us to peace and to faith. And so today is an important part of that, and we're going to talk about outward impact to others. Uh, and we'll talk about what it means to, to give outwardly, but not with just finances, but with your time and your talents. So giving is interesting. Like we, if we, we just came out of the holidays, it's weird to even say that out loud because once January goes, like it's good. for me at least, I mean, it always takes off. And I've gotten used to that. And uh, just in the pastor life, uh, you know, it always just goes. And so it's weird to talk about the holidays, but during the holidays, you know, giving is a big part of that. And you know, with Thanksgiving and December, and we, we typically give more during that time of the year than any other time. Uh, but we also do it with birthdays, and we love to give gifts. Uh, but usually we kind of view it more seasonal. Uh, but when you look into scriptures, the outward, you know, giving to others, not just monetarily, but even just time and using your life to impact someone or speak to someone, you know, we typically see that as seasonal uh, or a birthday. But my, my grandfather might be the only exception. Like, we love to, well, he'd like to give gifts, but we, we love to receive gifts, right? So if it's your birthday, we get excited. Like, if you, if you remember as a kid, you could not wait to your birthday, and even now, uh, big kids, we love that still, usually. We just don't talk about the age, the older you get. But we love giving gifts, getting gifts. And it's really fun to also give that. Except for, like I just said, my grandfather, who became known for mailing gifts back to us. Like, we usually would gather around Christmas and give him a gift. And then you know, a week or two later, my sister would text me. She'd be like, guess what I got today? And he would just write a note, like, mail the whole thing back, say, just don't eat it. And we just mail it back, like, like, you know, in an age of being nice and, you know, to everyone, we're like, oh, thank you very much. He never, re- if he re-gifted it the next year, that'd be even funnier, like in the same environment, but he didn't care. But like for him, it was very practical. 
And so it was like a, almost an unsaid competition to find something that he actually liked, that he wanted. And it hardly ever happened. And I remember, I mean, I remember being a little kid, and we got him a DVD player. Like, look, you can watch things. Like, he never used it, never had a need for it. I mean, this guy, he helped build his house. So in his mind, like, if I, I, I don't need it. But my wife and I accidentally cracked the code one year. Uh, after our wedding, he couldn't come to our wedding. He was like 92, um, and, you know, it's a lame excuse uh, to not come up to the wedding. We were, anyway, just that's the joke if you don't know me. Um, <clears throat> thank you for laughing. But, but we, got, we got him a, uh, a photo book. We got it for our parents and our grandparents. We made a photo book of our wedding, and so you could see the whole day and the reception and all the different pictures. Well, he loved it. It wasn't his birthday. It wasn't Christmas, but we gave this to him. He loved it, and we found out that he was taking it around town with him, running his errands and showing people. And I'm not kidding. He was going to the bank teller and bringing our wedding photo album and walking the bank teller through this. And so we're, like, horrified to learn this uh, for my sake and for the bank teller's sake. Like, somewhere on earth, I mean, this person did not you know, get paid enough. to Anyway, so... That should be in the bank teller job description, by the way, is like uh, listening to those who are retired. So crazy. Uh, so we found a way that he liked pictures. He liked pictures of family. So that was the gift that he wanted. Uh, so we like to give and get gifts at times. But as a rhythm, really, like, that's not as easy to do. And I would say all of these at its core, are always easy to do. It's not easy to stop. Like, we do prayer in silence on Sundays. You know, how often are you sitting there and your mind, because when you stop, your mind just goes. And, and I talked about in the week of rest how it's, it's not easy to stop because we're, our lives are so full of, of, of adrenaline from our schedule. So when you go on vacation, that's why it takes a couple of days to actually feel like you can begin to rest because your body is physically used to that, like, hit of adrenaline. It's hard to stop. And so all of these are not easy. And, and, and an outward way of life means going beyond yourself and impacting others, and that is emotional. That's not always easy to do. And so I want us to understand how you've been made to do this, why this brings purpose to your life, and why it's so important. And so, uh, I just want to, to show us Jesus' words, and he talks about this. Now, we've referenced this, this conversation from Christ earlier, especially in the week of rest. Um, but this is found in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is talking about what it means to trust in God, to essentially not be afraid and to not be worried and not be anxious. And those are things that we are filled with in our culture right now. In this country, is we, and despite all of our comforts, are actually more anxious than we really ever have been. Isn't that fascinating? And so these words really ring true for us. And when Jesus is engaging this conversation, he's actually, he's beginning to talk about money in this part. But all of this was tied really to happiness. For you and I, as we read this, 
It's really talking about happiness. So let's read this. We've got it up here. Maybe you've already started. But Matthew 6, this is specifically verses 19 through 24. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. This is originally written in Greek, so it's interesting the different English translations. But vermin, it's not a word we use all the time. But we know what that means. Uh, If you go to New York City, uh, we see vermin all the time. Uh, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you can leave it right there. Great. You know, it's interesting. I found out this year, because some of you have gone there, in Hawaii, there's no mosquitoes. And like the first time I heard that, I was like, I'm moving there right now. Like it, it is actually, I, and some of you know, you're hearing this for the first time yourself. So you're like, really, is that true? But some of you have been there. A couple of you uh, I've talked to this year, and that's amazing. And you talk about moths. If you've ever had a moth problem, <laughs> like it is annoying, and it takes a lot of work. Or you've had to get exterminators or just living in apartments in the city. There's all kinds of interesting things that find their ways into our buildings, no matter how high up you go. And so this, this place where things just, the things find a way to just kind of destroy themselves. And so that's the imagery. Uh, and so being in a place where that doesn't happen is, is great. <laughs> Something that will last. Going on vacation to a place where there's no mosquitoes is amazing. Two summers ago, my family and I went on a backpacking trip in Maine. And the biggest thing that we had to work towards, really, was, was were the bugs. And on our way in, like, we, we, were, we went into Canada, and then we went into Maine. And at this checkpoint, the guy was like, you know where you're going, right? Like, it's bad for bugs. Like, that was how bad it was. With the, 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 the crossing person was like, listen. I was like, I know we're ready. And so, but it was still annoying. As soon as we stepped out of the vehicle, they like started, like bugs started flying into us, like kamikaze bugs. I've never experienced that. Like as soon as you stepped out, hit me in the face. Like they're like, yeah, like it's like target practice. It's insane. Some of you are like, I'm never going. Yeah, but we had a good time, believe it or not. Um, But that took some getting used to. I went back with my son last summer to hike. And I was ready. Got out of my car. I mean, immediately came after us. And we just acted like nothing was happening because we were ready. So anyway, to go to a place where that doesn't exist is great. That, that's what we hope for. And really, you and I, Jesus is engaging in a hard conversation. So this is about the treasure of our hearts, who we really are. And so when Jesus is engaging us, he is engaging in the most important questions, the deepest longings for you and I. And so this is really about what makes us happy, what gives you meaning, and what gives you purpose. And it's so important. So if you don't believe in God, this is a fascinating thing for you to think about. If you're not a follower of Christ and you're on that journey and thinking about this. Because a life, what is it like if God doesn't exist? And what does that look like? And that's honestly how our world operates, especially here in this area, but, but in the Western world, we operate as if God doesn't exist. 
And so that ultimately means there's not any purpose beyond yourself. And so while Jesus is specifically mentioning money here, in the entire conversation of Matthew 6, he's really talking about peace and what brings us hope and purpose and what is really will last, all those different things. So he says, don't store up your, your treasures for yourself on earth, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's a simple yet incredibly profound statement. He's talking about where you, who you really are, the real you. He continues, he says, the eye is a lamp of the body. It just, he's like, he's just an imagery. He says, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. It's just like what you're letting in to who you are. So if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And that's a fascinating thing to read. He's talking about be careful about what you pursue because it's either full of life and light and it brings you joy or it's leading you towards darkness and destruction. That's really what this is about. And then he continues with this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Have you, I don't know if you've heard this before. Now, Jesus never said money is wrong. And this has been pointed out, and even in culture, like, you know, people say, well, the root of evil, you know, root of evil is money, or the, um, the love of money is the, it's the love of money. The money is not bad. And so, but Jesus talked about it. He's the one who said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so, but Jesus would talk about it. But he's talking about our heart. And he used many examples along this passage, and then, but this one is about our heart, and money is part of that. And you can't serve both God and money. So, like I said, this is really a conversation about happiness. For where your treasure is, is where your heart is. And you, who, what is your heart? Your heart is you. What you long for, what you desire. It defines who you are. And so you're either going to love something else or love God. But he's really pointing us to what is, is, doesn't last and what does last, right? So something will eventually pass away, will be destroyed. You leave a palace. You ever seen those pictures or articles of just former places, amusement parks or palaces that's been sitting empty for decades and like it just, it destroys itself. Everything eventually goes that way. And so Jesus is connecting you and I to eternity. He's connecting you and I to what makes you happy. And he's, what he's showing us is really purpose. That if we are made for him, if he exists, that means there, there is more than just to this life. And as Christ followers, we are, we are stating that. 
And it's so important, like even for, I think I mentioned this earlier in the series, even for an atheist, when you are faced with your humanity, when you eventually face, actually face death or a near-death experience, you, you pray. It's been proven through research every time, even those who don't believe in God. We pray because there's something in us that says there has to be more to now. And if you read about others who were, who were secularist or naturalist or atheist, whatever it may be, it's even hard for them at the end of their, bed, their, their life and their deathbeds or in a, in a significant loved one faces that. It's hard for them just to accept that. There's many examples of that. We long for it to be more than now. But at the same time, you know, we, we, we think that if it's all just science, then that means that this is, we get everything we can out of life now, and that means that this is what there is. And so, but the, the problem with that is that we struggle with purpose. We struggle with purpose. And that's really the heart of this conversation that Jesus shows us, is that because of who he is, we do have purpose. And that means a lot because that gives you hope when things don't go right. Because without that, when things go wrong, and they do, when we have pain or we suffer or we're hurting or we're struggling or we, we're anxious or we feel depressed or, you know, life is harder than you thought it was, it was going to be, and that's usually the case, and if it's not, just give it some time. <laughs> we struggle. We struggle mightily. Because it's not supposed to be like that. And so we, as a society, are spending our lives trying to find a way to treat that problem, to treat that pain, and to get rid of it. Because it's not supposed to be there. But when we have a purpose, that even in pain, like Jesus showed us, the purpose through suffering and pain, he went through it himself. It says something so much more. And it brings us hope, even in suffering. And so in Jesus in this conversation is showing us, do not store, do not invest. He says, do not store things. You know, in the age that he was talking to, it was all about what they had, where they could store stuff. For us, you know, it's, it's investing don't invest in things that will fall away. This doesn't mean that you don't save your money. <laughs> don't, don't read too far into that. This is about what is really bringing you hope. And we understand the idea of investing. What is your hope your, that your heart is tied to invested in? Because it will be destroyed. And we've experienced this. If you, a relationship breaks... You don't get the job. The test score came in differently. Maybe you're trying to, you know, testing. If you're in the finance world, there's all kinds of levels of testing. And like, what if you don't get that promotion or that thing or the job market changes and our hopes just sway on these things? What are you invested in? So he's pointing us to purpose. To hope. And so God and money, and really, if you read these words, he says you cannot serve God and money, but he's saying it's God and you because he's showing us your money will lead you to what your heart is tied to. So if you wonder what 
you might be invested in, that is gonna, you're, you're trying to find your hope or happiness in, just look at your bank account. And I, we don't actually do that very often. As long as you're, you know, you're not going negative, many of us don't actually think about it, and you probably should. That would be a great goal for the year is to know where your money is going. When I do our newlywed classes, when I do our pre-marriage classes, we, we talk about finances. And, and one of the, the exercises, and, and this is really good, by the way, but is to track your spending for a month. It's a fascinating thing. And the bank accounts have gotten better. You can go in. It'll show you, categorize this stuff, and you can, you can use Mint.com. or you know, There's all kinds of great tools. But just track your spending for a month and just see where your heart is. Isn't that a fa- it's an interesting thing to think about? Because a lot of times we don't. It could be coffee. It could be streaming. You might find some things that you're subscribed to that you had no idea. You're like, what? <laughs> but that would be a great exercise. Be like, what, what do you think your heart is tied to? Or if this thing stopped, would you be okay? Would you be okay? Your treasure, your money, but it doesn't just have to be what you spend money on, what your time is, what your, what your heart is invested in, like what you spend time reading, all those things. Your treasure equals you. It's who you are. And if you are the purpose, if, you, if, if it's just about you only, that ultimately doesn't fulfill. Because even you let yourself down. You do things that you regret, you wish you hadn't done. There are things in your past that you wish you could forget about or go away, but you do things. I do things that are destructive to myself, even though I know I shouldn't do them. And I'm blinded by my own ambition, and then I go, you go through this cycle of, why did I do that? I can't believe I forgot. And like, you have all these statements and things that you do. You eventually lead yourself into things like this. But even as you pursue everything that makes you happy, whether it's a dream vacation or, or you know, you can fill in the blank with food and, and apartments and everything, you still feel that emptiness because it, it can't actually fulfill you because it doesn't last. Almost all of these things are an appetite. They're an appetite. So you, if you are the purpose, there's not actually any purpose to that long term. It's all that you have is you got that and that is it. So in its of itself, you are devoid of purpose. And Jesus knows that. And he says, be careful. And then he points you and I to what does make you happy, what does fulfill you. And these things that you and I do, they're not bad in and of themselves. The church has kind of taken that too far, like been known for that, like you can't do anything. No, like these are, a lot of these things are gifts that God has given us that we should enjoy in his creation. But as a purpose, he is showing us that we're made for more. And when we live outwardly, we find a different way. So we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We invest in things that are eternal. And so ultimately, this is a conversation of faith. Does God exist? Is he real? And if he does, then, you know, then are his words true? 
And really, so we're asking, does God exist? That's the first question. And here at, at, at DCC, you were invited into that conversation. Is, is Jesus real? Did he, did he, why did he have to die? Because we believe he died at his death, and then he rose from the grave, defeating death and defeating sin and showing us that death has no longer any power over him. But, but more than that, it shows that he has power over death and the grave that He is Lord over creation, and He is who we should pursue, and we must believe in Him to have forgiveness. We believe that, that He is the only way to life because He's the only one who actually has truth and is God of us. And so He proves that He's Lord over creation, so we believe in Him and we follow Him because He is the one that ultimately gives us purpose and meaning and what lasts and what is truly good. And it's why we sing that you have been good to me, and you've been faithful, and I surrender my life to you because I found what really lasts. Those are the words we've sung today, because we found this treasure in Christ. In the Scriptures, it talks about these treasures in these, like, just normal clay jars. Like these, we are these broken vessels, but we, we are filled with the treasure because we have found Christ a greater purpose that doesn't fade away. And so that's the first conversation. And then if that's true, that means that you and I have been made to love others, and the call is to live outwardly, to store up treasures. We invest in that. And that's what brings great meaning, and and that's what you're invited into. Like at DCC, we're passionate about you and, and connecting you to community. And so how do you do this? Well, I would say there's three words, and I think I've said it already, but we can put this up. It's your time, your talents, and your treasure. It's easy to remember because it all starts with T. But how do you begin to invest? Well, three main ways is your time. You have time, and learning to stop isn't easy, but you need space. You can't consume it all. But learning to give of your time. Today, you and I are benefiting from the many who have served here today. There's usually at least 20 people or around 20 people on a Sunday morning that gather to set up our space and to run video cables and set up screens and and sound equipment. Our hospitality team getting the coffee for us. That's so important. Like, it's key. And good coffee at that. You know, like, just there are many ways we've been serving our kids' team. We think about the space. We love you. We there are many who gave up their time this morning. We've been served by those who are gifted in, in hospitality or gifted in greeting or in, in music or in teaching. I always say that we all are a 10 in some way. <laughs> You're like, I can't play music. Well, that's all right. You are gifted in some way. Your time, your talents, and your treasure. If you've ever volunteered somewhere, many times you come away fulfilled because you're made for that. Here in this area, we are gifted financially. Some of you are actually gifted at making money. That's why you're here. It's an interesting thing. But we have more money than most people typically do. Now, usually the, the responding, and I get the responding answer to that is, well, have you paid rent? And the answer is, I have. <laughs> and I get it. It doesn't mean that we have all this space. But unless you learn to give outwardly, you'll never actually be able to 
you're, you're going to hold on to it. You'll be greedy. And your heart will be tight. All these things unlock you to purpose. So you're invited to give of your time, talents. Well, how do you do that? Well, I would say take a step. If we believe God and we believe Jesus' words to be true, then begin to take a step of faith. Even if you don't believe in God, you begin to, to, to take a step in these principles. It's been proven through research. If you begin to give outwardly financially, you're actually better with your money. People get out of debt quicker if they give to other organizations because money suddenly doesn't have a hold on their heart. Isn't that interesting? People who give more in a regular basis, to ask, whether they are religious or not, typically pay down debt faster. There's a principle in doing that. And so when it comes to giving, if you've never given before, like to a church, that's a great step to start with. Just learn to give. We are complete, at DCC, we are completely supported by you. And we've been, I'm thankful we've been able to do that from the beginning. And so it's through your consistent generosity. And so for the many of you who have done this, I want to say thank you that you give in, in big and small ways. And you've, God has used you to make an impact. We are here today. We are here today because of the many who have gone before us, the thousands really who've engaged here over the last eight years. We're, we're going to turn nine as a church this year. There are hundreds, if not more than that, who have sacrificed and given so that we could be here today. And I am so thankful for that. So you, you want to learn to do that because this is something God has asked us to do. If you go to another church, I encourage you to learn how to give. It's, there's joy in that, and we impact the world. And so take a step. If you've never given, Give once. Do that one time. If you've, if you've given, begin to maybe learn how to give consistently. And if you give consistently, take steps more towards that. Like, and in, in learn to be planned about that. You know, there's, there's steps that you can take. If you give consistently to your church family, maybe you learn to give to outside organizations. You know, that's why we talk about you giving to New City Kids. We did that last fall. We set a goal of 5000 and gave seventy six or 800 or close to $8,000. That was incredible. And it is my hope and, and prayer that we become known over the years as a generous church. So take a step in, in giving financially. But it's not just that your time and your talents. It's one of the reasons why we do we serve at the sharing place. Once a month, we typically help them bag up uh, their food supplies for their monthly distribution. It's a local food pantry. We do that every month. This month, we're painting their garage. It's just a huge need that nobody has time for in their organization. And so... Uh, we've, we were supposed to happen last Thursday, got postponed, so we're doing it this Thursday, the 1st and the 8th. So if you want to find one place to take a step, that's a great place to do it. So five to ten of us will gather on this Thursday to help paint the garage, and we're going to finish it on the next Thursday. So I encourage you to pick one of those. You can go on our website and sign up. Learn to serve. You can join a Sunday team. There are many places to take a step and engage with your time and your talents, and learn to give to others. So the sharing place is one that you can do this week uh, or even next week. But also engage in community. Take steps towards God with your time. For dinner groups, our dinner groups are kicking off for the winter season. And so we have men's and women's groups that meet each week, and I encourage you to engage in one. I'm leading one on Wednesday nights. We have a men's group on Thursday, and there's uh, other groups on Monday and Wednesday, I'm trying, anyway, you can go on our website, it's there. 
Dinner groups meet weekly over a meal and, and, and engage in the conversations and continue the conversations from Sunday. We have fun together as well. We do events. There's always a way to take a step with your time, your talents, and your treasure. And I believe that you will experience this principle that Jesus has laid out. Maybe for some of you, it's coming back. Like stepping inside a church isn't always easy to do. So maybe that is your next step is to come back. Whatever your step is, take a step. And we believe here at DCC that these steps lead you towards life and life change. A small thing can make a big difference. All of these things from this series, learning to rest, learning to read Scripture, to pray, are leading us towards what matters most in life. Because if Christ came, if he rose from the grave, it means everything. It means you are made for more and you have a purpose. And that's important for finding happiness, a deeper joy, not in the things that we get, but who he is in our lives and even in pain and struggles. We have purpose. We have a hope. So we're learning to trust him and take a step. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your incredible words to us, showing us where our heart is what our heart is tied to and what matters most. And God, we want to experience joy in our world, and we don't always do that well. And so I pray today, and in all of this, that we would learn to trust you. God, I thank you for the many who have made it possible for us to, to love and have life in this city. And to, for all the Go Jersey City events we've been part of, and Easter egg hunts, and sharing place events, and other things we've loved the city well. And for the many who have found Christ here over the years, God, I thank you for all of those who have invested in their time and their talents and their treasure. Thank you for leading our hearts today. May we trust you in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.